Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, y'all. This is episode 76 of Eco Chic. Eco Chic is the podcast all about practical sustainability and climate science. I'm Laura Diaz, really happy to have you here, and I'm excited to just jump into today's episode. So today we're talking about transportation, but we are specifically talking about scooters, and more specifically, we're talking about e-scooters, e-scooter share programs. So a situation in which you can go ahead and rent an e-scooter for a short amount of time. An e-scooter is an electric scooter, so not something that you are actively pedaling on your own. So I first kind of want to take a step back, set the scene, you know how it is. We like to first talk about transportation as a whole. So the transportation sector actually makes up almost 15% of the global greenhouse gas emissions. So a pretty significant portion. And it is a much larger slice of the pie when we're talking about greenhouse gas emissions for a developed country like the United States. Transportation is pretty much our largest area of concern and places that we can go ahead and reduce our footprint. So again, 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions are associated with transportation. And of that percentage of transportation emissions, we are 95% fueled by petroleum sources. So fossil fuels are primarily fueling this, which is again, why we have such a big issue with greenhouse gas emissions associated with cars, with boats, with airplanes, anything of the sort, it's all powered by fossil fuels. So one potential modern solution for decreasing a little bit of these transportation emissions is that of an alternative mode of transportation, and that's where e-scooters come in. So a lot of large American cities, I first saw them in Los Angeles, and there's even mid-sized cities, they are promoting these electric scooter share programs. And when I say mid-sized city, that's like Albuquerque, Boise, Knoxville, Minneapolis, Tallahassee, cities like that, Baltimore, Denver, they are all embracing, in a sense, these e-scooter programs. So embracing is kind of a loose term. It's more of a societal embrace, like people are embracing them, not necessarily, am I speaking on a government side or an economic side, but they are popping up all over the country. And e-scooter programs are now being dispatched all around the world. They are all throughout Australia right now being settled. They are for sure in Paris, in Tel Aviv. Scooters are really taking over. And we want to first talk about what a scooter share program is. It's essentially a collection of scooters that a private company owns that you can rent for a short period of time. So you find a scooter and you unlock it with your phone. So you have an app that's associated with whatever company it is that owns that particular scooter. And the time that you spend on the scooter is usually pretty inexpensive. I believe some of the scooters are just like a dollar a minute or some charge you by the mile that you travel. But I think most of them right now are by time. And we'll get into why that is in a minute. 
but essentially these scooters are electric. So they're powered by a rechargeable battery and they're totally dockless right now. So there is a little bit of discussion right now in adding docks around some of the cities, but for the most part, all of these scooter share programs are dockless, which means that the scooters are just kind of laying out on sidewalks, streets, things like that, where you can just go ahead and pick them up and drop them off. There's no like designated location to pick up any of the scooters. Again, if you want to find any of these scooters, you're gonna be using an app on your phone. So whatever scooter company you are looking for in particular, you're gonna to go to the app and it will use your location and it'll give you a map of your area and it'll show you the nearby scooters. Of course, like I mentioned, every brand of scooter has a different app. So if you open and see that the nearest scooter is a bird scooter five blocks away, maybe you open up an app for a lime scooter and there's a closer scooter to you based on whatever app you're choosing. Now these scooters can go pretty fast. They have a range of 20 to 60 kilometers per hour, which converts roughly to 12 to 37 miles per hour per charge and they do get charged every night. So there isn't supposed to be any instance where the user runs out of battery on one of these scooters. So how are these being deployed? How are they being monitored? There at a very basic level is some government partnerships going on. So smaller parts of cities are partnering with some of these private scooter share companies and they're supporting the scooters in their particular area. So there are government partnerships that are more neighborhood specific and then some that range across the entire city. So one example I wanna give is the Spin Scooter. Spin is the brand. Coral Gables, Florida is a city within Miami. Coral Gables has exclusive partnerships with Spin Scooters, but the entire city of Miami can be served by different scooter companies. So I hope that gives you a little bit of an idea. So like Mesa, Arizona is another option of that. Mesa is like a subdivision of Phoenix and not all of Phoenix is served by Spin Scooters, but Mesa specifically is. So government partnerships have different sizes in their range and they have different requirements based on what the particular area is. Some grant exclusivity to a particular scooter company. Some of the government partnerships are, you can operate here if you follow X rules, if you make sure that people are always riding on the streets instead of the sidewalks, things like that. So the government partnerships are not standard across the board between the cities and definitely not between the scooter share companies. So for some context, a lot of these scooter share programs are owned by companies that also own other ride share services. So for example, the bird scooters are owned by Uber. So they're obviously a ride share service. And another big player in the scooter share market is Lime and they originally started as a bike share program. So what is the big appeal of scooter share programs? So this bit I'm taking actually from a statement that Uber put out. Remember that Uber is the one that owns bird scooters. So if Uber could shift its short distance passengers from cars to e-scooters, it would be able to use fewer drivers on the road and it would reduce operating costs. So whatever drivers are left over should in theory be transporting passengers over longer distances for higher fares. So that's the economic benefit for a lot of these companies. But on the flip side, let's focus on reducing operating costs and using fewer drivers. That is an argument that a lot of rideshare companies use to argue in favor of reducing the emissions by taking shorter trips in the transportation sector. So this is a point that I really want to highlight today. A lot of cities are being sold on the idea of scooter share programs for this more climate action benefit. The idea of focusing short distance rides instead of on cars onto scooters, that is called the last mile ride. That's what scooter share companies call them at least. So the last mile ride is essentially like the distance from the bus stop to a residential home, from your bus stop to your workplace, something like that. So a short distance where it's not necessarily comfortable to walk, 
but you shouldn't always have to drive a car. That's the last mile ride that scooter share companies are very often advocating that they are filling a need for. So there are a couple problems with this last mile ride idea. So on my end, I like to think if there is a true public transportation service being served by these scooter share companies, should they be publicly or privately owned if it's essentially a transportation service? So should cities in theory come out with a single scooter operation so they're not using 10 different apps in one neighborhood? Maybe, but maybe they should just focus on committing to a single scooter company. And that again is not necessarily happening across the board. So like I mentioned, Coral Gables, Florida is an opportunity to like kind of study how this works, that there is an exclusive scooter company only operating in Coral Gables, but the larger city of Miami allows for other scooter share companies in different neighborhoods. So campuses also operate this way. They have scooter share companies that are designated through a contract for that specific campus. So there are places, Duke, Virginia Tech, UC San Diego, that have scooter share companies that are operating specifically on their campus dropping off and picking up scooters just in the university vicinity. And in theory, the scooters aren't supposed to go very far off and always just kept there for the students. But while we're talking about the policies around these scooter share programs and the idea of having exclusivity versus not, versus having 10,000 different scooter companies operating in your neighborhood, there is also the issue of infrastructure and policy. So we're already talking about government run-ins with them. A lot of these communities do not have appropriate policies in place for regulating these scooters. So I mentioned earlier, the scooters are dockless. There's no docks. They're very often left on sidewalks and on streets. So they're definitely a nuisance. They can be a nuisance to bicyclists, pedestrians. They can also just be kind of dangerous if they're just laying there on a sidewalk and someone is unassumingly walking around them or walking over them or whatever. So some scooter apps do encourage you to get off of the sidewalks, only ride in the streets, whatever. Maybe a lot of them encourage you to only ride with a helmet or make you agree to some sort of rider policy, but there's no regulation or repercussions that are really in place when riders aren't listening to these suggestions, essentially. So now let's also talk about the idea of the charging of these scooters. So the scooters, I have mentioned casually that they get picked up and dropped off every night. Most companies actually employ people to do these pickups every evening and they charge them on a dock. And this dock is typically in the back of a company-owned van. I believe I've heard these docks hold 10 scooters at a time to charge them. And they are deployed the next day or just after they're charged, they're left in a more centralized location for easier access for the following day. So from an economic perspective, it's a really great low effort, low time side hustle for some people in that community. However, you're still having people drive around these cities producing emissions from that vehicle, and then the vehicle has to idle to charge these 10 scooters at a time. So idling is when you park a car, but you leave it on. So it's still running, the engine is running, and it's producing emissions, but it's not going anywhere. So sometimes in front of schools, like in the parent pickup area, there are signs that say no idle zone, don't idle, something along those lines. And this just means that car engines should be turned off if the car is just sitting there. So on the scooter side of things, back to scooters, if these charging vehicles essentially are idling, they're driving around, the scooters are getting charged by electricity that is still largely being pulled from power plants fueled by fossil fuels. So maybe not in Germany, but for the most part, if you're living in a country still making electricity from coal and natural gas power plants, any electric vehicle is still contributing to some of those emissions. So let's go ahead and just talk about the emissions. Are those last mile rides really cutting emissions? 
Actually, no. I can go ahead and link a research article in the description box if you're interested. But for the most part, scooters are being deployed or dropped off in areas depending on the density of that area. So if there's more people in a particular neighborhood, there's going to be more scooters dropped off. So this is like downtown areas, high traffic, metropolitan areas, generally not residential neighborhoods. So the people who are using the scooters are using them in these more high density areas, for the most part, for leisure. It's people just like scooting around with their friends, maybe finding a scooter on the sidewalk and riding it up and down a street just for the experience. It's tourists that are there trying to see a neighborhood, things like that. So who would be the user actually if it is a last mile option for transportation? So a last mile option user would be like a grandmother who's taking a bus that drops her off a mile from her home. So that's not a place where a scooter is going to be waiting, like over by a bus stop. And this grandmother is not the ideal scooter rider if it's actually there for the last mile ride. Scooters also require you to have a phone. You have to use an app that unlocks the scooter. So there is inherently some privilege that's associated with scooter riding. So I want to wrap up this short little episode by saying that I do believe scooters have great potential to lessen the environmental impact for the transportation sector. I personally really like them, but I'm one of those riders that rides for leisure. I'm not actually using the scooter to get to work or get to a public transportation option or whatever it may be. And there is definitely potential to encourage people to take these scooters for that last mile ride, as opposed to taking a rideshare like a Lyft or an Uber driving to whatever this short distance destination is. But we are still pretty far from having scooters be a really viable option for the transportation sector in seriousness. I think this is a really important conversation to have just because, as I said, these scooters are popping up all over the world in all different kinds of cities and different kinds of campuses, and they are very often just praised as this great transportation option, but there's actually a lot of issues that we still need to work out with them. We need to talk about the policies around them. We need to talk about regulations. We need to talk about infrastructure. How can we encourage cities to also be built for these kinds of transportation options? So there's a lot of issues to deal with. And there's also a lot of issues more on the fuel side of things. Should we continue pulling our electricity from these fossil fuel derived sources? But that's like a whole other conversation, a whole other debate that we should be having. So with that, I hope this gave you a little bit of food for thought for your weekend. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps me so, so much figure out what y'all want to hear. It helps us reach new people and encourage people to listen to Ego Chic. I can also connect with you on Instagram if you are so interested. I love talking to y'all and figuring out what really resonates with you. Share this on your Insta story. And you can contact me on Instagram at EcoChicPodcast and my personal page is at Lori E. Diaz and both are always, always in the show notes if you want to connect. And I will see you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.